0: Welcome to Acquiring Minds, a podcast about buying businesses. My name is Will Smith. Acquiring an existing business is an awesome opportunity for many entrepreneurs. And on this podcast, I talk to the people who do it. Today, I'm speaking with Kurt Nyder, who, along with a partner, acquired his first company in December a medical billing services company, doing about a million dollars a year in revenue. It's gone well enough in these nine months that they are already looking to do a second acquisition. Like me, Kurt was blown away when he learned about the opportunities to buy an existing business. And he acted on it, and it's obviously working for him. In his own words, here's the story from Kurt Neider. Kurt Neider, thank you for joining me today on Acquiring Minds. Thanks for having me. You and a business partner acquired a medical billing solutions provider, Illuminate Billing Advocates, not that long ago, in December, so about nine months ago. And it's gone well enough uh, that you're looking for a second second acquisition already. So we're gonna hear that story today. Why don't we start with your quick personal background on you, two or three minutes on, on, on your background and what led you and your partner to wanna go out and buy a business?
1: yeah uh, my personal uh, experience uh, involves a lot of construction some real estate development um that type of thing I've got a degree in construction management okay um so uh, was a general contractor for a number of years. Um, my experience as a general contractor led me to um, uh, a relationship and employment with a private equity group uh, here in in Salt Lake City Utah. We brought uh, the chain five guys to utah um our first store in utah was the the first five guys west of the mississippi so when we started our first store was like store 200 and by the time we were done i think there were like 3,000 in the country when i transitioned out of that position uh my family and i made the decision to move to hawaii we spent some time there you know doing family time and the mini retirement according to tim ferris and it was a mini retirement geographically. Uh, I still needed to work. So I uh, started a business when I got there, uh, which I sold a couple of years later. So that was my first experience. And really, I I had seen dispositions and, and been been involved in the sale of businesses. But that was the first kind of one where I personally owned the business and went through that process start to finish. At the same time, uh, as a family, we were trans- looking to transition back to Utah, um, where, you know, a lot of our family is from. And so I knew I was going to have to either start something, you know, new here or, um, find the right thing for me. So I had been keeping an eye out for a business to buy traditionally or specifically doing what we're told not to do. Right. I was, um, casually browsing here. There's a classifieds website called KSL.com. I would go to Craigslist, um, but ended up finding this business on com. what is ksl
0: um, it's
1: just a local kind of there's a local news radio station here they've got a tv station and a radio station and but they just happen to have like the
0: classified third or fourth sort biggest of
1: biggest classified ad in the country I, i'm i'm not sure why but they have a big presence um either way the wrong place to be looking right um And Kurt, why did you,
0: having started something in Hawaii and sold it and and done all right, why did you not want to start something again? And and why did your attention go to acquiring something?
1: Um, I'm not 100% sure. Looking back, I would say that I think there's, it's a little bit of maybe kind of experience progress, right? Starting up from scratch is a lot of work, right? It's tiring. Um, There's fatigue right? That kind of comes from or goes into that. I've been there a bunch of different times. And um, in my real estate career, I'd kind of seen this like progression in deal size, right? The first first home that I ever bought was like $200,000. I could barely afford it, came in to do a flip, learned some things, basically broke even. The next house was slightly bigger, but made a decent amount of money on it. Right. The next house was slightly bigger, but really everything I could afford. And, you know, kind of, as you, as you start to progress in your career and your experience, not only does your experience kind of start to steamroll, but also your ability to get a deal done, right. Get mm-hmm. a, get get a, get a um, cap, capital structure kind of formed and then get the bank to say yes right so mm-hmm. it's, so this was kind of a similar way right in the in the past if i wanted to start a business most of the time i just needed to do it on my own right cash or credit cards and just figure it out and bootstrap as long as i could make it um at this point i had kind of always known there were things like that out there um i have you know family members who have sold businesses that kind of thing so i knew i knew there were bigger deals out there on the private equity side i had seen some deals but they're really more like family office size deals. So I knew there were these, you know, startups that were a lot of work and no money and not the kind of thing I really had appetite for. And then I knew there were these big deals that I couldn't get done. I didn't have the sophistication. I didn't have the, you know, the gunpowder to get them done. and mm-hmm. so I knew there were these little niche businesses um, and I didn't, frankly, I didn't know that I could get one of those deals done. But they were enticing to me, right? I I liked the idea of saying I'm gonna skip five to ten years by buying somebody else's business, right? I'd skip the first five to ten years of of bootstrapping and scraping by and and come in and pick up a system that's already rolling. It might be, it might be somebody who's gotten to the end of their. Kind of their experience and their willpower, and they're ready for somebody else to take it to the next level. It might be somebody who's at the end of their career and just looking to ride off into the sunset. I didn't really care. Um, as As a general contractor, I was typically a service provider. Right, we we came in and we helped somebody else build their business that they were then going to run forever. But as soon as we were done with that, our project, we were out. Right, we built ourselves out of a job every single time we you know, kind of completed a project. Mm-hmm. My business in Hawaii was a service provider for hotels, apartment buildings. Um, You know, we did, we did commercial fragrance and scent marketing. It's kind of a niche business, but I, I started to find joy in helping other people with their business mm-hmm. and doing the kind of work that a lot of people don't want to do. Right. It doesn't need to be sexy. the, the less attractive that it is to the everyday person or college grad. It's great for me, right? <laughs> like okay. the idea of those types of businesses. Um, and this business fit that right. Medical billing is behind the scenes. I don't think there's any kids who grow up saying, I want to be a medical biller when I get older, you mm-hmm. know, it's a, it's an administrative hassle for a lot of our clients. Um, And so it checked a lot of the boxes as I, as I was looking and, um, we really like adding value to those clients. Right. I mean, it kind of just fit that niche for us. Um, and it, it was the right size transaction for me. Right. When I go back to that kind of real estate investment paradigm, this was a stretch for me, right. It's a stretch for what I thought I could manage what I thought I could get financed, you know, kind of top to bottom, it fit the excitement stretch for me. You know, you gotta, it's gotta be something that you're excited about, especially if you're saying I'm going to roll the dice. Cause if this thing fails, I'm going to be paying on an SBA loan for a long time. So I gotta be pretty excited about it going in. Right. Um, this fit, it fit that paradigm for me. Um, What, what excited you about, what, what excited you about it? Was it, was it just like, did you see that the business had a
0: lot of low hanging fruit to improve and quickly add value or uh,
1: or what? Yeah. So, so the multiples were there, right. When I looked at the business and and had been um, and I'd been looking at a lot of businesses um, and started to get into the buy and build and, you know, some of the kind of search funder information that's out there uh, on the, internet, I started to get to know, you know, multiples and metrics and that kind of stuff a little bit better. I was looking for something in a, you know, a two to three times multiple um, of earnings. And if fit that there's also like this kind of an altruistic kicker in this business, right? We're mm-hmm. in healthcare, but we specifically deal with substance abuse and mental health providers. Mm-hmm. So our clients in many cases are you know kind of a bleeding heart right they're they're a person who's out there trying to help people get better they're fixing lives they're they are saving people on a day-to-day basis and what we do can actually be a problem for them sometimes right because if they don't focus on getting revenue in their own door then they ultimately can't help that many people yeah. um and so that, so there's a, there's kind of a there's this we're helping make the world a better place upside, right? Yeah. It's different than air fresheners. Air fresheners was strictly like opportunities. I mean, it's 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 sales, right? It's definitely opportunistic and it's not to say there was anything that good good that came from it, because there's a lot of good, right? It's an experiential business, but this one there's 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 definitely people out there to be helped. So it's fun to be a part of that and to make some money along the way doing so certainly is is not a bad thing. Right. That's cool. I didn't
0: realize that billing billing solution providers could could be have this kind of like altruistic byproduct uh, if you're kind of helping the right helping the right practice.
1: Yeah. And maybe that's my spin. I don't know. You know, I, I, I would think when I think of the doctors that I know, most of them became doctors for money. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's OK. I don't have a problem with that necessarily. Um because in order to make money, they really have to go out and help people, right? so i'm 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 not going to pretend like I became not not going to pretend like we bought this business because I wanted to save the world or anything like that. Sure, sure. But, but it does make it it does. it's kind of a positive upside, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. And so from that to the to the dirty numbers, um, what can you tell me about you, you said you liked the the multiple. It was I think you said below three. I think you said two something. So, um, can you give me a sense of size, like six figures, seven figures in terms of revenue margins, anything that you can share there?
1: Yeah. Um, when, when I was looking at a business, one of the things that I noticed, and I'm sure, I'm sure you're familiar with this. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, but as you, as you start to get a lot higher revenue and a lot higher, um, net income, it throws off enough money that it can support a lot more debt right? Or, or it's just more attractive to family offices or whatever. As you get really small, those multiples go way down and you can Mm -hmm. get a lot more bang for your buck in a lot of cases, because the business just isn't enough to support someone. Right? So for me, my minimum threshold was to say, okay, when I'm looking at businesses, I need something that's going to be able to support the debt service and kind of a practical lifestyle for myself, which, um, at around a million bucks in acquisition price, you're saying, you know, you end up being somewhere in the direction of, you know, maybe 15,000 bucks a month in debt service mm-hmm. um, based on the kind of the model that I was following. And mm-hmm. then what's comfortable on top of that, you know, is really dependent. That could be, um, I think most of the banks I talked to, they probably wouldn't take you serious at, if that number was anything less than, you know, say 60 grand and even that they were going to handicap it. So certainly it needed to be a six figure income um and the this business was a is is a low seven figure uh, in revenue, right? We're a little mm-hmm. over a million bucks uh they were before we acquired them. Um that's a and our multiple was about a a little over th- uh, right around a 3 times earnings. Okay. Right. So okay. that kind of paints that picture for anybody who feels like doing the math. Um and are, are the margins good
0: in this in this world, in the medical billing? Yeah, the, yeah, the
1: margins have been okay. Um I, I think we have I think we are better than average. Um, but it's certainly um I, I don't know that I'd say they're robust compared to you know some some industries. So um one of the one of the complications that we had um is I found this business, I started to kind of build a, a model around how to how to finance it. So we did an um, 80% SBA note, 10% seller note, and a 10% equity injection. Um, once we got to figuring out work, working capital, I had intended to just wrap working capital into my original note and had yeah. a banker actually coach me through pulling that out. So we did that kind of 80, 10, 10 model on the acquisition price, and then did an SBA express line for all of our working capital, which has been really efficient. Um, So we're happy with the way that structure has worked out. Um, And the
0: the only reason not to do that is just because you're paying a little bit higher interest on the, on the working capital loan. But um, why did the why did the banker yeah, if you
1: yeah, if you put it all in a seven a
0: if you put it all in a seven a the total interest would be a little bit less. Why did the banker want you to convince you to do a separate loan for working capital just to make things clean or what?
1: Well, there's there's flexibility there, right? So the so for us, if if you do the whole thing in a seven a, if you pay it down, you can't get it back, right? Nah. Once you pay that principal back, it's paid back, and so you you kind of are stuck hanging on to cash and paying interest on principle that you could pay off just to have reserves. Whereas with a line of credit, you can kind of treat your line of credit like reserves. So for us, I mean, we minimize our line of credit every month, right? Probably, probably weekly, actually, because we just try to minimize that as much as possible, because it's still there. It's available when you need it. So it's actually a little cheaper to do the line of credit version. Um, Both on interest and on fees, because the fees on a seven A are going to be higher than on an SPA Express. So you you save in both of those places. So it's I would say it's a lose on for the banker, right? I don't think the banker makes money by coaching you into that structure. That's him Ah. looking out for your best interest. So Ah, great. Okay. Um the other thing that's a little bit quirky about our about that deal is I had kind of put that model together, started to reach out and talk to some of the capital. Um, the potential equity sources that I knew um, was getting really good feedback. Um, I don't think I was going to have any hard time, you know, finding the equity that I needed. And one of those individuals who is my current partner is also a CPA. And I I put it in front of him and said, you know, hey, double check these numbers for me. They look good to me, but I had a couple of kind of weird things being told from from different bankers that I didn't use, and so I wanted to double check their questions. And one of those, which can be confusing for buyers is if a a business is doing their accounting and taxes on different bases, right? So that was one of the issues that I ran into is this business was keeping their books on an accrual basis, but paying their taxes on a cash basis. Mm -hmm. So then during during the due diligence period, that turned out to be kind of a nightmare because they didn't line up, right? And so you had to be savvy enough to line those numbers up. Um, anyways, put it in front of him and, and he came back and said, okay, you know, not only do they look good, but let's do this together. Right. Which is what we really decided to do. Um, and that's really great for us. Right. I, I think in our, our kind of prior call, we talked about partnership and, and there's a cost there and a benefit, and there's no question. I'm happy with the decision that I made there. Uh, Mike hansen has been a fantastic partner and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that decision. I don't know that it works that way for everybody. So, yeah. Maybe we're lucky or blessed, whichever way you want to go with that, but uh it's been But a you didn't you didn't go work.
0: looking for a partner. You didn't you didn't reach out to Mike Hansen with a partnership suggestion. He said, "This looks like a great deal." He proposed it.
1: Correct. Cool? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was his idea. He and I had worked together in the private equity business that I worked in for Almost ten years. I think like seven or eight of that we were both there. He was the CFO of that organization, so we had a big track record of working together. Um, knew each other's kind of strengths uh, and weaknesses, and he was willing to look past my weaknesses. So that, that worked <laughs> out
0: well. Hopefully, your weaknesses are his strengths, and vice versa. The um, so there was enough meat on the bone with this business that there you could you could do the SBA structure as you outline the 80, 10, 10, and still have enough to pay you both reasonable six figure salaries. Is he, is he full-time in the business now, or is he not, is he not active in the business? He's just an investor.
1: He is also full-time in the business. Um, and I think for both of us, it's um, probably a step back from what we could get in the market for our skill mm-hmm. set. you know, just working for somebody else. Um, it's, it is also a step in a direction for us, right? The the, the current business is not the end game. Um, we would like to grow it. Um, it's certainly an opportunity for roll up or bolt on opportunities. Um, and because of our experience in the private equity world, we also still have a little bit of that background of with the right skills and the right systems, we can run more than one system at a time, right? So, um, we're looking for other billing companies to add to you know our current mix, but also looking at a couple other opportunities that may or may not, you know, come to fruition and not afraid of kind of going in a little bit of a different direction at the same time for that reason. So
0: well, I, I want to get into that. Um I think it's striking that you guys already feel comfortable enough in this new business that you've transitioned into that you're looking at your your next your next deal or your next thing. But before we do that, just let, I want to understand the, the medical billing World a little bit more because I feel like I've seen these listings myself on Biz Buy Sell. Are they so your your office your team is mostly remote? It's an administrative um, business, obviously. You're you're for lack of a better word, I mean you're kind of pushing paper around, and you're you're the interface between a medical provider and the insurance companies, essentially, right? And 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 I guess the the patient as well to a lesser degree. Some but there's some interaction there, and. Um, And it is, there is licensing, right? So your staff all have to become licensed as medical billing practitioners?
1: So There's very little licensing for us. Um, Practitioners, doctors, um, care providers certainly have to be licensed. In our industry, there are certifications, but they're not governmental. They're accreditation, basically. So there's, you know, there's certified professional coders, certified professional billers, there's definitely a lot of education around what we do, but no legal requirements to have any of that, Okay, which creates a huge spectrum of quality in the industry. Right. So how do you find hiring? Is that, is that difficult? Um, so far it's actually been really good. Um, one of our managers has some HR experience. Um, my partner has a lot of hiring experience and so, um, they've got kind of a little process that they go through. They've got an assessment that they do as part of that. And, um, the, of the hiring that we've done so far, we feel like it's gone really well. We're very happy with who we found. Um, and then on, on that quality control topic, it's, it's not irregular for you to find a care provider whose spouse does the billing. Cause they just need to figure out how to get the money through the door. Right. And so, they're coming from a background where they just want the money. They don't necessarily have any training in it, right? And so there's a lot of places where that certification can add a lot of value, even though it may not necessarily be regulated, right?
0: Okay. And would you call this business a recurring revenue business?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I would. So our 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 model is um, a percentage of revenue. So all of our all of our um, revenue is based on a percentage of reimbursements that we collect for our providers. So uh, certainly can go up and down, certainly can fluctuate um, depending on who it is you're working for. In in the industry, there is some variation as well. So um, there are some medical billers who work largely with fee-for-service or cash pay um, facilities where they're charging the public, right? They're charging individuals for services. They're sending out statements every month. They're doing collections somewhere along those, you know, anywhere along that kind of um, line. Um, For us in the industry that we're in, most of our clients will collect their cash pay as needed. Um, Any deductibles, copays, that kind of stuff, they'll typically collect that on their own. And we're only liaisoning with, insurance companies. Mm-hmm. Um so ours is um slightly different that way. Um but in a way that we really like, right? We don't we don't chase any individuals for for money and that kind of thing. It's every for us it's all third party insurance reimbursements. So
0: Yeah, that sounds like that would be a less pleasant side of the business. Having to Debatably, from-
1: they might hate our side, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess so so you're basically you, you sign up an office and then that office basically some percentage of their revenue is is going to you to handle their billing every month so it's um and and your revenue goes up and down as their as the office's revenue does kind of almost Correct. there's almost a direct correlation and did you like not knowing anything about this business did that um concern you when you considered? buying
1: it? Yes, certainly. Um, as I was going through due diligence, I actually became a certified professional biller. So I went through all of the training to kind of get familiar with the nuts and bolts of what was done on a day-to-day basis. Um, and luckily haven't had to do much of that when I got into the business and got to know it a little bit better. Um, the, the management team kind of middle, mid-level management team that's, that's already here in place is just fantastic about what they do, right? They're fanatical. They, they, they work really hard. And I think in a lot of ways just needed a little bit different support from, um, I don't want to say above, but I think they needed a little bit better support. And so that, to answer your question, that certainly made me nervous at the same time, in a lot of ways, it was straightforward enough. And the training that I went out and got was, enough to reassure me that it was, it was the kind of thing that we could handle.
0: Okay. And did you envision adding value to the business and growing it? uh, Or, or was it kind of a buy and hold?
1: Yeah. So, so for me, um, growing it is always upside. Right. Um, But when I'm, when I was looking at deals, I was always hedging against that. Right. Every, every deal I looked at, I was saying, okay, if I buy this and it, you know, if it makes 50% of what it does now, am I still going to be okay? You know?
0: So you protect your downside and you, and you know, the upside is a nice to have, but a not, not, not part of the expectation of when you buy when you bought this business.
1: Yeah. 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 We try to kind of keep that in the um, blue sky realm. Right. I don't. I don't want to make bets on on blue sky. So, what we've been lucky to do is um, come in and, especially with my partner being a CPA and adding um, some systems and processes on our on our software side, been able to do two things: is really when we came in from the beginning, the first thing that we started on really and and we hit really hard was to say every single one of these claims, right? Every every single one of these claims that comes through for us is almost like a sacred responsibility to make sure that it doesn't disappear, right? Because it's on, on the surface level, it's just revenue for one of these facilities, right? It's just money. But the reality is there's a patient on the other end who's getting care for this, right? And insurance companies have provided a policy where they've guaranteed coverage for this care and an individual's been paying against that right and so for for that claim to get lost for it to not get paid for whatever to me felt like really we had a moral responsibility to make sure that there were no leaks at all in our system so we started with that and we hit that really hard and then as you start to work through that um there's kind of some snowballing effect that comes along with it right as the system gets better our employees stress goes down their job gets a little bit easier everything gets a little bit easier to track and you can start to give that information to the facilities and your and and your clients um so that they have more transparency into where those claims are the efficiencies there um and all of that kind of stuff so we hit that, and and I think we feel like more of the upside has really been recognized on that side as opposed to the marketing side. We feel like we've been successful in implementing some efficiencies um, that we're really happy with.
0: And so you basically kind of operationalized tracking all of these claims, whereas before each of your billers kind of did it their own way, it was maybe less... Um, more siloed, like people didn't, you know, this person is working on these claims, but the other person couldn't tell you anything about where those claims are. Just each person had their own little fief of uh, of their claims they were working on. And so it, it almost sounds like a CRM for tracking claims through kind of a pipeline. Yeah, it's
1: very, it, it's certainly similar. And there's a lot of different software products out there that are available to do that. Um, one of the, one of the challenges that you run into is it's one thing for everybody in your organization to run things the same way. If ever your client's their business a different way, the inputs are not the same, right? So you, you've kind of got to, um, sell the value of, you know, kind of this operational structure, um, downstream that way as well. So
0: okay so let's let's pivot a little bit just now to the fact that you um you know you feel like you've executed this transition successfully you've you've improved these at least some some of the efficiency with what we just discussed and now you're looking at your next thing so uh t- tell us more about that you said maybe another medical solution so medical billing provider maybe something else what what are you thinking i mean i i have to say kurt of all the people that i've talked to i think Seven months, or where are we? Nine months is is a record. And looking for, and already looking for a second deal. Um, We 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 were talking offline about, you know, that I should look for people who have had um, failures when they've acquired a business and have them on as guests, which which I agree with. Um, (laughs) But your story is kind of like the opposite. It's like, okay, that was easy. Nine months later, where's my, you know, where's the? I'm going to go do another deal now. Uh, So disabuse me of that or, or tell me, no, I'm right. It really is that easy. Or was that easy for you at least?
1: No, I, I, I certainly would not want to sell that. It's been easy. Um, I think one of the things that was a value to, to us, especially is we came in with kind of a team mindset from the beginning, right? We came in with a partnership with multiple sets of skills. And I think there are certainly, there are major things that we've done in the last nine months that had I come in on my own, I would not have been able to do, or would have had to outsource at great expense, that would have been a, a much bigger challenge, right, and still may not have worked. So I think some of the, some of the credit for that would have to go to the team, right, Of I think we've had, you know, a little bit more bandwidth. Uh, in order to be able to take some of those things on um, our team has our, the, the team that was in place before we came on also has been very responsive. They've been awesome. I don't think everybody gets you know, a reception like that um, and our clients are the same way. Right. So um, I, I certainly wouldn't want to pretend like it's been easy. I certainly wouldn't want to pretend like, you know, there have been no toes stubbed along the way. Um, you know, like I say, marketing is a challenge, right? That's, that's something that we're still working our way through and trying to figure out how that part of the business, you know, can really be accelerated. Um, and in some ways it's catch 22, a little bit, right? So it would be easy to say, Oh, this has been so easy and such an easy success. Let's go do another one. The other side is to say, we did come in with a team, right? And so, that changes, that changes some of the metrics to where we're, you know, in a position where we're saying we, we need to do more, right. We need to take on a little bit more in order to support the platform and support, you know, our team and um, kind of keep us interested in the business and and where we're headed. Right.
0: Okay. So what do you think it's going to be Uh, another expanding the current business, another acquisition within medical billing or, something outside.
1: We, we would love to do that. Um, that also has turned out to be a bit of a challenge, um, using this as a platform for ups and, and bolt-ons was very attractive to us early on still is. Right. Um, but right. like I think that's, said, I think that's where I found that.
0: you on search funder. I think you were asking if anybody has a line on a deal for, from another medical billing uh, company for sale. Go ahead.
1: Yes. Yeah, cert- certainly keeping an eye out for those. And a lot of the, um, kind of search funder strategies and the the buy and build strategies really help for that, right? Because we, like you said, you see medical billing companies online for sale really all the time. And it's, it's rare that you find one that hasn't already been sold, um, which is a little bit of one of those frustrating tactics that brokers tend to use um of leaving a listing online for a long time after it's already sold but um they tend to go pretty quick it's a competitive marketplace and so that's you know those types of acquisitions are certainly something that we're attracted to um over the nine months last nine months have had multiple of those conversations um you know with either sellers potential sellers future sellers um you know, and sometimes it's timing. Sometimes it's, um, you know, does a, is a a child going to take on that business at some point in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so uh, certainly interested in those, but they've been very competitive um, so far. Um, how how were you
0: able to get a, a, a seems like a good multiple, a good deal on on Illuminate? If this is such a cons- competitive space,
1: um, I think it's a, a little bit. Uh, Anomaly. I don't know that I would say it was like uh, a foreclosure sale, right? It wasn't, it wasn't a fire sale. We, we paid pretty close to market on it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time it was unrepresented. So it was, you know, sitting on a website, but not being pushed by a broker. I don't think they were doing any of the broker networking type stuff that would have needed to be done um, in order to add value there as a broker. Right. So I think, Both the seller and we, you know, cobbled together. I think we got to keep some of that kind of margin. Yeah, Um, sure. And then uh, as as we're looking at other opportunities, um, you know, Mike and I have varied experience, and so that that leaves the the potential opportunities that are out there are are not limited to just what we're doing right now, and and there are some things that you know potentially could work together kind of hand in hand or be um, just completely different businesses. And that would be okay. So we, the other thing that's, that's nice is not that this is um, specific or accurate to our current situation, but as we've, as we've gotten to know the SBA model, as we've gotten to know kind of the acquisition climate um, it's fun to kind of take some of our other previous experiences and make the analogies there. Right. And, um, there's the uh, in the real estate world they have this Burr model. I don't know if you're familiar with that. That's the kind of build, rehab, um, refinance, repeat model, which is the a lot of single family home you know investors use that. Um, in in a lot of commercial and business finance, the 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 multiples and the loan to values and that kind of stuff don't really line up with real estate, but with SBA size deals. Um, in a lot of ways, there's kind of some analogies there that work out well. Right. And, and this is, this fits that category of, you know, hypothetically, you can buy a business with 10% down, let the business pay itself off and then sell it and move on to the next one, um, or continue to run that business forever. Right. If you let it pay itself off, then you can still buy another one, you know, that same kind of structure. And so, um, not to say that we know where that direction is going to take us, but there are opportunities, right? One kind of altruistic opportunity could be to say, you know, the, the banes of the world would just buy it and strip it down and sell the parts, right? A lot of private equity companies would say, okay, we're going to buy it. And we just have to go, you know, some multiple of what we're doing now before we sell it in three to five years. And there's, room in this industry to say, okay, well, what if we buy it, it pays itself off for a while once there's, you know, kind of some meat on the bones. What if you turn around and sell it to somebody else who is in a position to gain some value from the business? And what if those, what if that buyer is the employees, right? The the business that we're involved in is fits that category, right? There's some great employees in it. And you know, potentially down the road that could that could represent a really meaningful opportunity for them to recognize some upside. Right. So um, I think what we like about the model in general, the the capital structure model is that there's opportunities there. Right. Both for us uh, on the buy side and on the sell side. So. The fact that you guys are out there
0: looking for another business and kind of just what you what you described is is you know you have a lot of different directions you could go a lot of different options that tells me that you both could see yourselves stepping out of the out of the business out of illuminate that you've acquired and that it would continue to operate am i is that correct
1: uh yeah potentially
0: because so so many so many for so many SBA buyers they are buying themselves a job and that's what they intend. They intend to be the CEO for a while, longer than nine months, um, and really run the business, grow it, refine it, uh, etc., like you guys have, are doing. But it sounds like you're already in a place where you you don't need it. Do, the business doesn't need you. And is that is that because um, of things you've put in place, or was the business already kind of self self running,
1: self operating when you acquired it? I, I wouldn't say that necessarily. Um, I don't think the intent would be to step away um, yet or soon. Um, We certainly would still like to stay involved, Um, and I think there's that. It goes back to that. There's two of us, right? I think you know one of us can always stay the CEO, and the other one can be the CEO of the other one, or or however that works out. Um, We certainly like to stay involved, um, but have more bandwidth. I think then kind of your typical, you know, sole proprietor buyer, um, or however you want to, you know, title that role. But, um, it is to, to your question though, it does go to the value of buying an existing business, right? I think that's one of the problems that a lot of people who start a business from scratch, you know, run into is it's kind of the e-myth paradigm. I don't know if you're familiar with that book, but, um, you know, they really have the have the have a hard time of letting go of, you know, certain reins within the company, and when you come in, secondarily, it's a lot easier to do that. You know, you're not emotionally attached to some of the roles um, or details in the business, uh, which can be can be, I think, a little bit of a blindside. But as you know, as long as you're aware of those and looking for them, then it doesn't need to be a issue.
0: Your experience going through the, the acquisition of a company, a small company using an SBA loan with a partner, and now looking for a second acquisition. Is there any lesson that jumps out at you? Anything that you'd advise somebody yourself a year ago or a year and a half ago uh, that you did wrong or could have
1: done better at least? Um, I don't know of something that I – I certainly don't have any regrets, and I'm trying to think of things that I would do differently. I'm pretty happy with the way that worked out. Um, I, I think there are a lot of pitfalls uh, in the financing element of buying a business. Um, I, I think it's really important to get connected to multiple specialized bankers early on in the process. So that's that's something where I feel like I don't. I, we wouldn't go back and do that differently. It's a problem that I hear a lot of people have, and.
0: What, sorry, what's the problem exactly?
1: Um, um, in that in that you don't borrow money from the SBA, right? You borrow money from a bank, right. and every bank has a different appetite. They have a different specialty, and if you walk into the same bank where you got a car loan or you got your mortgage and ask them for an SBA loan, you're not going to be happy with the way that turns out, right? So, um, whether you're finding somebody on Search Funder or um, one of those, you know, arenas that are specific, specific specifically geared toward, um, you know, acquisition, small business acquisition, you really just need to find a bank specializes in SBA products, right? SBA acquisition loans, because it's even different within a 7A world. You can't just find us an SBA 7A specialist because they may I've got a a very good friend who I grew up with, right. Who would be the first person I would take a loan to who has done SBA loans for 20 years and they don't touch anything. That's not real estate, right. They're, Mm -hmm. they're only doing real estate associated loans. And so it really just comes down to finding that specialist who can help you, um, kind of run the bases. So that's something that I would certainly counsel, but I think we got lucky on that you know, I think because of my familiarity with search funder and, and spending time in the arena, I just happened to stumble on it. So shout out to CIBC bank and Colin on that one. So Colin at <laughs> CIBC bank. Yeah. Cool. Kurt, this is great. If people have questions
0: about the medical billing world or acquiring a business or acquiring a medical billing business, how can they reach you? What's the best way?
1: Uh, LinkedIn, yeah. So it's just Kurt C O R T any on LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. I'm a uh, I'm on there too often. <laughs> okay,
0: or search Funder, which is where I found you. Everybody, everybody listening to this podcast should should be on Search Funder and learning and, and meeting people. This is great, Kurt. Thanks for thanks for the time and uh, congratulations on on. You know, being having your first acquisition be so successful that you're you're ramping up for your second one, and uh, when that happens, I want to have you back on to hear that story.
1: Of course, of course. Thanks for what you're doing. That I think the educational tools out there, like what you're doing, just open a ton of doors. I think I think they're a huge asset to you know people who are are poised to be able to do what you and I are are doing or looking at doing every day, and and it just only takes a little bit of explanation for for people's minds to really be blown, right? There's a, there's a huge opportunities out there. And, and I don't know any of the stats off the top of my head. I'm sure, you know, you guys, you probably see them all the time, but just the amount of kind of wealth that needs to change hands, you know, in the next 10, 15, 20 years, when it comes to business, business ownership is just, it's insane. Right. So.
0: Yeah. And then when you combine that with access, if you're fortunate enough to be in the U S with the SBA, when you combine it with the, the ability to get such compelling financing. It's uh, its really a, a very strong opportunity. It certainly blew my mind and set me on this path. So uh, couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah. Appreciate what you're doing.
0: Kurt Neider. Thank you, sir. All right. Talk soon. Thanks.
1: See ya.